0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following:
1: StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF Resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Give the gift of the best authentic Greek olive oil this Christmas. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Imported directly from the Zortos Family Gardens in Greece, this gourmet olive oil will be the best one-of-a-kind gift for any chef, foodie, friend, or family member in your life. This gift can be enjoyed all year round. Visit www.zortosoliveoil.com. The
2: following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Monday, December 30th, 2019, and you are tuned into the season finale of the Hitting the Mark's Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at TheGorillaPosition.com. Presented and simulcast as your Monday Locker Room from Hami Media. association with last word on pro wrestling.com and now unleashed on ndpw.com on this week's show we're talking the top 10 of the decade the forbidden door and your preview of the final week of 2019 and the first week of the 2020s but before we dive in it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans bring you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbeam.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be the only voice in your ear holes today, as requested by the nerd himself from the Voices of Misery. And if this show sucks, I guess you can blame him. RBV off chasing hookers in Cincinnati this week. So you can find me online at NotJargo, find RBV in the streets of Cincinnati, or online at The Real RBV. Alright guys, before we jump into the top 10 of the decade, I do have some news and notes that I want to get out there for the Monday Locker Room audience because, you know, that's kind of what we do over at HeckerHameen.Podbean.com. Got a little bit of news for you. We're going to preview what's going to go on in AEW, what's happening with ROH going into 2020, a little bit of New Japan notes before we get to Wrestle Kingdom, the NXT Year End Awards coming up this Wednesday, and then we have some Raw notes as well as the top 10 of the decade. I want to start with this. So the WWE slash the XFL is being sued. Yeah, the lawsuit filed December 26th in Delaware Chancery Court by an Oklahoma firefighters pension fund claims that there is a credible basis to believe that Mr. McMahon and other WWE senior officers breach their duties to investors by diverting valuable assets and other resources to the XFL. The suit also suggests that the company's board members may have failed to conduct appropriate oversight to ensure McMahon didn't engage in transactions that conflict with the WWE's interests. I guess there's a couple of important things to note as far as this story goes. Number 1. Not all lawsuits are created equally. This very well could be something that was filed by a disgruntled WWE fan looking for any way that he possibly can to get Vince McMahon out of power inside of the WWE. We don't know if there's any wrongdoing here. They do mention inside of the article that Vince McMahon sold off a hundred million dollars worth of stock in 2017. It also brings up that he sold off 270 million dollars worth of stock in 2019. So, 370 million dollars worth of stock, I don't know if that's enough for a lawsuit or not, however. If they are using any kind of WWE assets to fund the starting of the XFL, this actually could be a pretty interesting lawsuit, and this could be a way to force Vince out of creative power. Will that happen? Highly doubtful. Could it happen? Could you get a hold of some judge that looks at these two companies and says, hmm, World Wrestling Entertainment? alpha entertainment. You're using one business venture to fund another business venture, and that is taking away from the first business venture. If a judge would rule that, perhaps this is a way to get Vince to actually step down from power, give up his creative control in the daily operations of the WWE, and just go focus on the XFL. It's been said that that's what he wanted to do, I guess there's absolutely no time like the present, Vince. Go ahead and turn the keys over to Hunter. And then we already have our lead story for the 2020s, basically. Um, At the end of the day, Vince McMahon has much better attorneys than what any of us could possibly begin to afford. I'm thinking that this is probably just to get a closer look at the books. It's definitely going to be a story to follow. But of course, at this point, we just don't know enough to form any kind of a formal opinion on this entire lawsuit. If we have any law experts, Seth Kennedy, feel free, reach out. If you have seen this lawsuit, if you've read through the lawsuit, if you know anything about class action law, we would love to have a legal advisor here for the Monday locker room, because, Hey, let's face it. We've got advisors for pretty much everything else. I will be sitting down with Stevie Richards tomorrow. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk some NFL playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl. Now that the brackets are all filled out and all the teams are in, um, I'll probably ask Stevie about this and as well get his thoughts on uh, Pat Shermer being fired earlier today. uh, Freddie Kitchens being fired yesterday. It is Black Monday inside of the NFL. See how many coaching vacancies open up. Be on the lookout for that. It should be dropping either Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning. HackerHameen.podbean.com as well as the HTM Podcast Network online. HittingTheMarks.com. Just look for Hitting the Playoffs. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to sit down with Stevie and talk some NFL football. Let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll jump into some more actual wrestling news and start off with the biggest news of the week, which has got to come to us from the Ace. Yeah, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Throwing it out there. Basically saying, hey, Chris Jericho's the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. I'm fighting Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. If I beat him, I want a shot at the AEW world heavyweight championship i didn't put any thought into this um in fact here is the official translation to tokyo sports keep in mind this is translated from japanese so it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense isn't it the champion over there it being chris jericho if i win and say the other is one more time then you can say get a belt then the forbidden door will open the forbidden door clearly being the relationship between New Japan and Pro Wrestling as well as All Elite Wrestling. This is clearly something that we have speculated about for months that has been talked about ad nauseum. And I'm just, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I I don't know what to make out of this. In fact, I, I didn't write anything up to this. I mean, it just makes sense that Tanahashi, talking to a major publication, would make this comment kind of in passing. And then, La Champion decided that he was going to chime in, and this is what Chris Jericho had to say.
1: Tanahashi, or should I say Bakahashi, because what you don't know is I speak and read perfect Japanese, and I read what you said in the Tokyo Dome. You said if you can beat me, that you will enter the forbidden portal and request a title shot for the AEW Championship. I thought it's a great idea. So, Le Champion asked the chairman of the board, the owner of AEW, Tony Khan, if it was okay to grant your request, and he said yes. So, if you can beat me in the Tokyo Dome, I will give you a championship match for the AEW title. All right, Tanahashi? So, Le Champion, the Painmaker. Chris Jericho is willing to give you a shot at this championship if you can beat me at the Tokyo Dome. You think you could do it? I don't. But we'll find out in just a few days. Sayonara.
2: So it sounds as though Jericho has cleared this with the powers that be, which I have to assume are as Khan Khan and Cody Rhodes, who is booking the singles division, as well as Matt Jackson helping Cody out there uh, inside of All Elite Wrestling. And I still thought, eh, okay, yeah, of course, it, it, Tanahashi's going to make comments, the American media is going to pick it up, it would make sense for Chris Jericho to respond in this way. And then New Japan picked it up. Uh, and this is where I think the story really, really starts to get interesting. New Japan tweets out Breaking Chris Jericho to Hiroshi Tanahashi, come at the AEW champion. Can Hiroshi Tanahashi earn an AEW championship opportunity at Wrestle Kingdom 14? Live January 4th and 5th, 2020 on New Japan World. Sign up now. Along with the tweet from Chris Jericho, which is. Obviously posted on New Japan World as well. That's where I got the audio from. Um, so now New Japan is actually acknowledging all Elite Wrestling, which is something that has not really been done in any kind of a public forum before. Even though John Moxley clearly works for New Japan Pro Wrestling, former IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. In fact, he's going to be facing Lance Archer for the IWGP United States Championship once again at Wrestle Kingdom. In fact, even the way Hiroshi Tanahashi talks about it, it seemed as though he knew fully that this was not something he was supposed to talk about and referring to it as the forbidden door. Um, I don't know, guys. Uh, Obviously, the Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling Partnership has been... Not necessarily severed, but it has been severely damaged over the course of the last few months, really since the G1 Supercard inside of Madison Square Garden. Uh, The Ring of Honor Championship once again not being defended at Wrestle Kingdom this year. I thought that was interesting, even though the Rev Pro Championship will be defended when Zack Sabre Jr. takes on Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, And of course, I have been projecting for weeks, if not months at this point, that Kenny Omega will in fact be at Wrestle Kingdom, that Kota Ibushi will be standing tall at the end of the night holding up both belts, seemingly had finally climbed the mountain that is New Japan Pro Wrestling, only to be interrupted by his former golden lover and former tag team partner, the feud that we never really got, Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi. The other thing that I find so interesting about this is simply the timing. Uh, It was just announced a couple of days ago that New Japan Pro Wrestling and Access TV, which is now owned by Anthem, the same parent company that owns Impact Wrestling, uh, they are no longer going to be continuing that partnership. New Japan Pro Wrestling will no longer be airing on Access TV. So, New Japan Pro Wrestling looking for American television exposure. The deal with Ring of Honor seemingly has gone by the wayside over the course of the last eight months. They're kind of teasing a relationship with All Elite Wrestling, especially with Hiroshi Tanahashi. We have several connections working back and forth, whether it be Chris Jericho, whether it be John Moxley, now Tanahashi. There's a lot of potential here. Um, we would love to see Kenny Omega back at Wrestle Kingdom. We would love to see him back in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he actually was being used as a talent, as opposed to AEW, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But a lot of fans are upset. And I can understand why they're upset. There's a lot of fans that enjoy watching that one-hour show on Access TV. Um, I used to watch it when I actually watched Access TV, which I haven't done since the anthem bought the company. Not because I'm protesting, just because eh, I don't really see a need. Um, New Japan World is still out there. We don't know what kind of ratings New Japan Pro Wrestling was getting on Access TV because Access does not subscribe to the Nielsen system, so we don't get Access TV ratings. Uh, we also don't know what, if any kind of money, Access TV was giving to New Japan Pro Wrestling for the broadcast of their shows, whether they be live or on tape delay, um, like the G1 Supercard from uh, Dallas, or last year they showed Wrestle Kingdom on roughly like a 12-hour delay for American audiences. So none of those things are going to be happening. I don't know if New Japan is seeking searching out a new deal, especially with the launch of New Japan of America just about ready to happen. I don't even know if there's any suitors out there for New Japan Pro Wrestling, Um, although I I firmly believe that Fox would much rather have New Japan Pro Wrestling than WWE SmackDown because they were looking for a more sports-like presentation, and SmackDown is just not it. Uh, But what this is going to mean for New Japan Pro Wrestling, their westward expansion, New Japan of America think there's a lot of partners at play here and i mean that relationship with ring of honor does still stand so it wouldn't surprise me if you end up seeing new japan pro wrestling that syndicated show that you are seeing on access tv if that would make a jump to the fox sports regional networks which sinclair now owns All in all, I don't really find this all that bothersome. If you are a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan and you have not yet subscribed to New Japan World, if you are just a cheap-ass, dirty gaijin and you refuse to subscribe to New Japan World because you want to watch stuff free on like a two-to-three-week, sometimes-three-month delay, more power to you. New Japan World, like $8.72 after the conversion rate. Do yourself a favor. Let's go ahead, let's shift, let's talk some AEW. So as the elite and their friends and Tony Khan all look forward to 2020 and what's going to kick off on Wednesday, we're getting ready we're just going to wipe the slate clean. Yeah, the last three months, never happened. The last 12 weeks, never happened. Well, at least as far as your win-loss record. Cody Rhodes has now confirmed... That the win-loss records are going to reset on the first of every year. And once again, you know, we we did WrestleFestivus last week. We did the whole airing of grievances and everything. I'm going to have to put this one on the list for 2020. Wrestling fans complaining that the AEW records are going to reset. When it comes to the NBA and a new season starts, guess what? Everybody starts at zero and zero. The NFL, when a new season starts, everybody starts at zero and zero. Major League Baseball, when it resets, everybody starts at zero and zero. They are going to keep cumulative records. That is still going to be a thing inside of All Elite Wrestling. It's just every season, records are going to reset. I don't understand why this is such a big deal. Do you really want to have, like, let's take Kenny Omega a year from now. Kenny Omega's win loss record, if you just take cumulative, let's say that it's 60 and 19. And then let's say somebody that's not going to jump. Let's say, let's say Seth Rollins. Let's say that Tyler Black debuts at All Elite Wrestling. He's 0 and 0. He's, he's going to wrestle Kenny Omega, who already has 69 wins. No, it doesn't make any sense. We need to get everybody on an even playing field at least once a year if records are actually going to account for something. So they're just going to reset the records on the 1st of January. What's the big freaking deal here? I, I, I just don't understand. I'm sincerely hoping that All Elite Wrestling took this week off, that they took the Christmas break, and they sat down, and they had a meeting and they they kind of refocus this company a little bit because there is a lot of issues going on inside of all elite wrestling and a lot of things that need to be fixed I don't think the records were necessarily one of them, especially at this point. Hell, I would have been fine if they would have let the records run for at least this year and then reset going into 2021. I would have been fine with that with only a three-month sample size. But, you know, I I understand because, you know, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, we started in August, I believe it was. And uh, we started season two in January. We're, We're wrapping up season three now. Next week, we're going to start season four. We start everything over from scratch, right? That's just the way that seasons work. One thing I don't think that they need, and one thing that they seem to be entertaining, is an on-air commissioner. Now, I advocate for this inside of the world of the WWE. And I do that simply because of William Regal and NXT. Here's the thing. You need somebody to make matches, You need somebody in charge. Otherwise, it appears like the asylum is just running itself. Right now, who's making the matches on Monday Night Raw? I know that it's Paul Heyman. You know that it's Paul Heyman because you're listening to this show. You're in the know. But WWE wants to talk about that casual fan. We're trying to attract the audience that doesn't watch the show, right? Do they know who's making the matches? Do we really just want, you know, Seth Rollins to come walking out and he says, I want a United States Championship match against Rey Mysterio, even though he lost the title. And so the match happens. Well, who okayed that? You know, we don't need somebody that's on TV every week. We don't need Mr. McMahon. We sure as hell don't need Stephanie McMahon. We don't need Constable Fuckface. Just give us Somebody. Tell us somebody, and I don't, I don't even care who it is. Make it Samoa Joe if Samoa Joe is not going to wrestle, although now it kind of looks like he is. But Samoa Joe would have been a great commissioner. You don't need him on camera every week. You can have Samoa Joe there once every four weeks. That would have been completely sufficient as long as we know Samoa Joe's in charge. Oh, Samoa Joe made that match. Samoa Joe approved that. Now, Samoa Joe said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this instead. That's what William Regal does in NXT. Now it seems that's going to happen in AEW. We don't need an on-air commissioner. We already know Tony Khan makes the decisions. You establish that when Jon Moxley went storming backstage, had an interaction with Tony Khan. Tony Khan told him that this match is going to be unsanctioned against Kenny Omega at full gear. Moxley loses his mind. Okay, so we know Tony Khan makes the matches. Whether Tony Khan's on camera or not is completely irrelevant. As long as we know there's somebody running the ship. Somebody's booking the show. Somebody's okaying the matches that happens. Somebody's putting together the matches that don't make any sense. Maybe that somebody should be fired. And then we can bring in another commish. But as Rick likes to say all the time... We're not here to just point out problems. We're here to come up with solutions. So, who should be the AEW commissioner? Well, I did have one thought. No, it's not Samoa Joe. Although that would be really cool if Samoa Joe just showed up at AEW and was in charge of everything. I would support that. But no, it's, it's Samoa Joe before there was a Samoa Joe. I saw it reported the other day that Taz is going to be at AEW Homecoming January 1st from Jacksonville, Florida. Survive. Taz would be pretty badass, wouldn't he? If Taz would carry himself with that swagger, come out and be like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this, and you're going to do it right now. Is anybody going to say no to Taz? Anybody going to pick a fight with Taz? Anybody going to shut the fuck up and do whatever the hell Taz tells him to do? Me! Yeah, I ain't fucking with Taz. Ain't, ain't nobody in the world fucking with Taz. And if they do, Taz will choke you out. I think Taz would be a great on-air commissioner for AEW. So let's talk about Dynamite. What are they doing this week? Had last week off. I think hopefully they're coming out with a better show this week, right? Well, let's see what it is that we have advertised this week. John Moxley versus Trent. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it either. Is, is is Trent mad at John Moxley? Is is John Moxley mad at Trent for hugging his tag team partner? For hanging out with Orange Cassidy. There you go. There you go. There's the storyline. John Moxley is going to beat up Trent just for hanging out with Orange Cassidy. That's a storyline I can buy into 100%. Um, the other thing that they're advertising with Moxley this week, and I'm pretty sure this is the reason that Moxley versus Trent was booked, right? Like, we just we need to have an excuse to have Jon Moxley on this show just so, la champion, Chris Jericho, before he gets beat by Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, so Chris Jericho can come out and get Moxley's decision. Remember, it was a couple of weeks ago on AEW Dynamite that Chris Jericho extended the offer to John Moxley, the opportunity, if you will, for John Moxley to join the inner circle. Now, of course, that means John Moxley is not going to come after La Champion, right? As long as the belt's inside the inner circle, man, that's all that matters. So, we are expecting Moxley's response. And of course, you know, he had to go and he had to talk to Renee and he had to talk to his mom, weigh the decision for a couple of weeks. I don't like that. Just like right off the bat, Moxley should have just gave him the dirty deeds or the paradigm shift or whatever the fuck it is that they're calling that stupid double arm DDT these days. I always thought that move looked like shit. Even when Foley was doing it, I thought that move looked like shit. But so that's what I'm expecting. I expect that Moxley is going to give a paradigm shift to Chris Jericho. Set up the match that's probably going to go down at Revolution inside of Chicago, Illinois, February 29th, Leap Day. Moxley versus Jericho. That one's going to have to grow on me a bit. Two former WWE guys fighting for the AEW championship. Of course, Moxley does owe him $15,000 for that nice jacket. Let's talk about Cody. Cody Rhodes is going to take on Darby Allen. Of course, uh, Darby offered to be Jericho's tag... or er, not Jericho. Cody's tag team partner. Got Jericho on the brain. Um, offered to be Cody's tag team partner against uh, The Butcher and The Blade. And if they won, Darby wanted his rematch. Uh, We have an audio clip coming up here a little bit later coming from Dustin. On the same episode, The Road to Jacksonville, which is up on YouTube right now, dropped last night. Um, There's a killer promo from Darby Allen talking about how, you know, that tie, it just never sat well with him. As far as he's concerned, a tie is a loss, and he knows that he can beat Cody. It's gonna be interesting to see how AEW handles this. One of my biggest complaints about AEW thus far, I told you we were gonna talk about Kenny Omega. Um, it's the stars, man. Whether it's Kenny Omega, whether it's the Young Bucks, whether it's the Lucha Bros. I understand this first season, the first twelve episodes of all Elite Wrestling, they were trying to get over everybody. They were trying to get over. Anybody that you had never heard of, and for the large part, I think they were actually pretty successful in doing that. You have Sammy Guevara now. He's gotten himself over. You've got Darby Allen; He's gotten himself over. The Dark Order, as much as all y'all hate them, yeah, everybody's talking about the Dark Order, so the Dark Order's getting themselves over. The problem is they haven't established any of the stars. The actual people that are going to be the bread and butter of all elite wrestling. Just keep going out there and losing. Which I understand. They're the EVPs. I understand Cody and Kenny and the Bucks. We're, we're, we're just going to go out there. And we're just going to put over talent. We're just, The whole first season. We're just going to go out there. And we're just going to put over other talent. First season's over. Can we stop this nonsense? The Young Bucks keep telling us. They're the best tag team in the world. All you've showed us is. Your awful WWE 50-50 booking and you guys going out there and losing a lot. The same can be said about Kenny Omega. The same can be said about the women's division going out there and booking themselves 50-50. We all hate 50-50 booking in the WWE. AEW was supposed to be so different. Hasn't been different so far. Now with the records resetting, now is the time. It's time for the Elite to once again be Elite. BE Elite. So let's talk about the women's division. Um, this week it was supposed to be Riho defending the AEW Women's Championship against Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander will not be at All Elite Wrestling Dynamite this week in Jacksonville, Florida. Instead, she will be at Bar Wrestling in Los Angeles, California. It seems we got ourselves a little bit of a booking issue. Uh, Chris Statlander already booked for these shows. Um, It's going to be happening both uh, Wednesday and Thursday out at Bar Wrestling. Or is it Tuesday, Wednesday? It might be New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. That would actually make a hell of a lot more sense. Out at uh, Joey Ryan's promotion out there, Bar Wrestling. And over the course of the weekend she actually won the aaw women's championship so congratulations to chris statlander Uh, i appreciate aew letting talent fulfill these other independent bookings that they've had before they get with the company but you know maybe you shouldn't book them for a championship match on a show that they're not going to be at Um, although i will applaud aew in Once they found this out, they put out the announcement she's not going to be there. We do have a replacement match. It's going to be Riho versus Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship. Evidently, uh, getting yourself suspended serving the suspension and then returning from the suspension somehow earns you a championship match. I have no idea why Nyla Rose is anywhere remotely close to this match. I would have much rather it just been Riho versus Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida and have Nyla Rose come out and interfere in the damn thing just so we get it thrown out. And then they're going to do Chris Stantlander versus whomever the champion may be next week on dynamite. I don't like this fatal four way in any way, shape or form. Um, Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida was the number one contender. And then just mindlessly, they don't book her one week on the show. They do Britt Baker versus, Oh, Chris Statlander Statlander wins. And suddenly Chris Statlander is the number one ranked female. Britt Baker drops all the way down to like number four or something like that. And, and, Hikaru Shida falls. Like, why should Hikaru Shida fall? Just because you failed to book her. This is why these ranking systems never seem to work inside of the world of professional wrestling. I've never been a big fan of it. And this is just a perfect example of why. The original elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, teaming up once again to take on the team of Pac and the Lucha Bros. Like... I understand Kenny and Pac, they got their thing going. Totally cool with that. Young Bucks and Lucha Bros. is—is is this still a feud? Like, I thought this feud ended like months ago. I have no need to see the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. in the ring together again. I have no need to see Kenny Omega against Pentagon or Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. I wish they would have put two other guys with Pac here. I just do not like that pairing whatsoever. Uh, Also on the show, Dustin Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, This, of course, going back to when Dustin had his arm broken by the inner circle. This is a killer promo from Dustin. I got to play this one on the show. Here's Dustin Rhodes talking about Sammy G, the Spanish God. Sammy,
0: you're a narcissist. Narcissist.
1: Sammy Guevara. He looks like a Spanish god. Look how sexy he is.
0: You are not a god. For you to think you can attain godlike status, well, I'm just gonna have to bring you back to reality. Because the facts are this you are not a leader, you're a follower of the inner circle. You're an errand boy for Chris Jericho. I don't know if you were orphaned as a child or you got dropped on your head, but you're stupid to sit there and film me getting my arm broke by Jake Hager, me lying on the ground, writhing in pain and laughing your ass off. You're stupid if you don't think I'm coming for you. Sammy, you're first. I will not falter. I will not fail, Sammy. This is your final reckoning. And remember what I said. You're not a god. Gods don't want you, because you're a reject.
2: Great promo from Dustin. Absolutely killer promo from Dustin. It's unfortunate. Only 70,000 people have seen that on YouTube. And maybe they double that between now and Wednesday. It's been up for 15 hours now. So we're we're approaching being up for a full day. In fact, by the time this episode is out, it's probably been a full day. I, I understand what AEW is doing with their social media content. But putting this great stuff like this out on their YouTube page, out on Twitter, it's not making any money. You need to find a way to get these kind of things on Dynamite. This, the MJF promo, there's that killer promo from Darby leading up to the first match with Cody. There's another one in this episode of The Road 2. It's like seven minutes long. If you cut one match in half, I'm sorry, these women's matches, they do not need to be going 15, 20 minutes. You can have them go out there and you can go 10 and you could air half of this right then. I'm sure you can cut three minutes off of that Young Bucks Kenny Omega and Pac and Lucha Bros match, too, because that'll probably be 20 minutes. You could have shortened it to 15, split up these video packages, ran them throughout the show, maybe actually hyping up the matches instead of just telling us, oh, yeah, there was this great promo on YouTube. Go watch it. And then in the next breath, Cody tells us, oh, well, you know, all you really got to do is watch Dynamite. You don't have to watch anything else. That's all just shoulder content. No, Cody, this is the stuff that's vital to your show. This is the stuff that people want to see. And you know, speaking of stuff that people want to see, it kind of brings me to ROH. and Cause there's not a whole lot that people are wanting to see inside of Ring of Honor right now. And that is a huge problem for Ring of Honor and they know it. And it seems like they're at least trying, trying to rectify that. It has been sourced to me. Um, and, and the verbiage was ridiculous. No, not what they said was ridiculous. They told me ridiculous. The amount of money that has been offered to the villain, Marty Skrull, to stay in Ring of Honor is ridiculous. That's what I've been told. Rick and I have been on this for weeks, that it doesn't matter how much money you're going to pay Marty Skrull. He's worth it. You could pay Marty Skrull $3 million a year, and he's worth it because people will tune in to see Marty Skrull. That's why Marty Skrull's doing the match against Nick Aldis at the NWA at hard times. People will tune in to see Marty Skrull. I said at the time, I don't know how they're going to sell me on this pay-per-view. It's a 40-day build. You've got like four episodes of TV. There's no way the NWA is going to be able to get me to buy this show that Marty Skrull came out. Marty Skrull versus Nick Aldis? Fuck yeah. I'll buy that shit for 25 bucks. You bet. Ring of Honor needs that. Uh, as it stands right now, the Ring of Honor roster, while there's a lot of good talent there, there's a lot of very good unknown talent inside of Ring of Honor right now. The only way you're going to get them known is to get people to actually watch the shows. The only way that Ring of Honor is going to pull that off, you got to bring back Marty Scurll. And it seems like they're actually making the effort to do that. Nice to hear that Sinclair actually ponied up, and they're going to dish out the money for Marty. Now it's just a matter of really take it. Uh, we do know at this point they have just a couple of shows announced for 2020. When I look at the Ring of Honor calendar right now, it's pretty thin. You've got 111 in Atlanta at Center Stage, January 12th, Honor Reign Supreme, or Janu- er, February 28th in Nashville. Yeah, nothing from January 12th to February 28th. And then February 29th, they're in St. Charles, Missouri, and then it goes all the way to June, June 5th in Dallas and June 6th in San Antonio. I don't know what they're doing. There's not a whole lot of dates announced for Ring of Honor. I don't know if they're going to start letting people take more outside bookings, which is also something that could be very appealing to Marty. It's going to be interesting to see where things go with Ring of Honor in 2020, because right now... Things seem very, very up in the air. Uh, let's take a look. It's Saturday night at Center Stage. This is going down January 11th. Both of these shows on Honor Club. It's going to be Roosh getting his world titled rematch against PCO. Uh, Dragon Lee versus Andrew Everett for the World Television Championship. Of course, Dragon Lee winning that title from Shane Taylor at the beginning of the or at final battle. Josh Woods versus Jonathan Gresham. This clearly uh, a lead in to two guys, one tag versus uh, what did we call them? Lethal suction. Yeah, that's what we're going with for Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. And then we have Villain Enterprises taking on the team of Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace. Let's take a look at Honor Reign Supreme. This is the show going down on the 12th, Concord, North Carolina, and this is where it gets really interesting. They are already advertising Villain Enterprises, the team of Marty PCO and Brody King, the ROH World Six-Man Champions, Versus La Faction Ingobernable. Yeah, that's that's Roosh's new faction. Roosh, Dragon Lee, and Kenny King. This could go one of two ways. We can either establish right here, right now, Marty's going to be a player. Marty's coming for that world championship. We're going to get that strap on him as fast as we possibly can. Or are we going to see La Faction Ingobernable Take those ROH World Six-Man Championships and Marty is done with Ring of Honor. That show on the 12th is going to be very, 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 very interesting where it goes from here. Real brief new Japan pro wrestling talk this week as wrestle kingdom is coming up this weekend. So we had no new Japan shows over the course of the last week, but there is a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, number one, wrestle kingdom preview that's going to be happening later on this week, hitting the marks.com. It'll be at least myself, probably a couple of guys from that PW hustle. Uh, maybe my wife gets involved. Hell, we might even get Huckleberry on this thing. If he uh, can find his way back from the streets of Cincinnati, but the big thing that's going on this week, we have Jushin Thunder Liger making his rounds, basically, in his last week as a professional wrestler. He was at uh, the New Japan Cafe over the course of the weekend, meeting with reporters and fans alike. And in walks Hiromu Takahashi, one of the gentlemen that he will be facing off with on night two of Wrestle Kingdom, January 5th. It's going to be uh, Hiromu and you, the otherwise known as Dragon Lee, on the other side of the ring, opposite of uh, Jushin Thunder Liger in his retirement match. And Hiromu comes in, and my Japanese is really bad. I'm still trying to learn, but this is basically what I got out of it. Liger, you're a great man. You've been a great champion. You've been a great professional wrestler. And it will be my honor to stand on the other side of the ring from you, inside of the Tokyo Dome, in your retirement match. Liger says a few words to Hiromu and puts him over as the future of the junior heavyweight division, and the two men shake hands. That's when everything kind of falls apart, because after Hiromu shakes hands with Liger, he realizes that Liger is old, he's feeble, he's broken, he's fallen apart, it's time for him to retire! And Liger hauls off and smacks that little shit. Just smacks him right across the goddamn face. It was great. Robu walks out, says a few words, say they're going to have more fun, more fun, inside of the Tokyo Dome. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And then at New Year's Dash, which is going down on Monday, January 6th, it will be the Jushin Liger Retirement Ceremony. I'm very much looking forward to New Year's Dash. It's my favorite show of the year. As much as people want to put over Wrestle Kingdom, and and Wrestle Kingdom is great. Don't get me wrong. It's a spectacle. There's going to be two nights inside the Tokyo Dome, 45,000 people each night. But it all starts at New Year's Dash. New Year's Dash is kind of the raw after WrestleMania, where there's no matches announced. Everything is announced in the ring right before the show starts. And it's also where things get crazy. It's it's where guys like you know AJ Styles debuts as a part of the Bullet Club. It's a place where guys like AJ Styles get kicked out of the Bullet Club. It's it's when Suzuki Goon returns from their banishment for a year from pro wrestling Noah. New Year's Dash. Looking forward to it. Next Monday, we will have full coverage right here in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. So I've told you what AEW has coming up this week. We talked about all the things that they're involved with going on over in New Japan next week, especially if Kenny shows up. What's NXT going to do? What's NXT going to do to counter it this week? Probably the most questionable decision the NXT has made during the Wednesday Night Wars. They are not going to have a show this week. I mean, NXT is going to be on, but it's not going to be a wrestling show this week. This week is going to be the NXT award show. Yeah, they're, they're going to run an award show against that AEW lineup that I told you earlier, where they already have like five matches announced, most of which I want to see with the exception of that stupid-ass six-man. Here's the awards that they will be giving out on NXT this week, Female Competitor of the Year, your nominees are Io Shirai, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm, and Bianca Belair. Um, Shayna Baszler should win that. Rhea Ripley probably will win that. Male Competitor of the Year, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, The Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, Walter, or the big strong boy Tyler Bate. Again, Adam Cole should and I expect he will win that award this year. Overall Competitor of the Year, bringing in both men and women, here are your nominees. Io Shirai, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Kaylee Ray, Tony Storm, Bianca Belair, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, Walter, and once again, the big strong boy, Tyler Bate. Once again, Adam Cole should win, or this is a complete farce. NXT Tag Team of the Year, Undisputed Era, The Street Profits, The Grizzled Young Vets, Andrews and Webster, or the Viking Raiders. This one's a lot more open, although I feel like Undisputed Era should win this one. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Street Profits pull this thing off. Best Takeover of the Year is going to be your nominees Takeover Phoenix, Blackpool, New York, 25, which was shithole Connecticut, Uh, Toronto, Cardiff, or War Games, NXT Match of the Year, Women's War Games, which... I I don't even know why that's nominated. I mean, I get that it was the first women's war games match, but come on, no. Uh, Bate versus Walter at TakeOver Cardiff. Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler, NXT women's uh, title cage match that happened on NXT TV June 26th. Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai, TakeOver Toronto. Three Stages of Hell, the two out of three falls NXT championship match from TakeOver Toronto. Undisputed Era versus the Viking Raiders. Uh, that was at TakeOver Phoenix. Two out of three falls, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole at TakeOver New York. Ladder match, Street Profits versus Forgotten Sons versus Oney Lorkin, Danny Birch, and The Undisputed Era take over 25. That one shouldn't win simply because the Forgotten Sons are a part of it. Pete Dunn versus Adam Cole, NXT Championship match from Survivor Series. Keith Lee versus Dominic Dickhead, August 28th on NXT TV. Women's Fatal 4-Way, Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai vs. Mia Yim, NXT TV September 18th. And the Tag Team Triple Threat, Grizzled Young Veterans, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster versus Gallus, NXT UK Tag Team Championship match I find it kind of odd that they have all these UK matches kind of thrown in here I just I don't think that the NXT North America audience is buzzing about NXT UK and I don't think that the UK fans are going to outvote the American audience rivalry of the year Gargano Cole Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae, which should be the winner, but it won't be. Ripley and Baszler, British Strong Style versus Imperium, because, you know, we got to have a UK representative. And then Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. Breakout Star of the Year. Jesus, how many goddamn categories do they have on this stupid fucking show? Keith Lee, Dominic Dickhead, Matt Riddle, Candice LeRae, Damian Priest, Angel Garza, Rhea Ripley, Joe Coffey, or Piper Niven. Future star of NXT. How is this not the same fucking category as breakout star? Hell, I don't know. It's almost as bad as the goddamn Grammys. Cameron Grimes, Kushida, Isaiah Swerve Scott, also known as Shane Strickland. Just tweet at them. Hashtag Shane Strickland. Go fuck yourselves. Include that in the hashtag. Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Ziya Lee. That bitch ain't winning. Teynara. Evidently, Tainara Conti doesn't have a last name anymore. Uh, yeah that one's kind of weird Bronson Reed or Ilja Dragunov That brings it up for NXT That's it man Hopefully Adam Cole wins a whole bunch of awards Because a whole bunch of promos Otherwise this is a completely skippable show for me Shout out to the Andrew Bello Who's got to cover this So let's throw it over to your Monday Night Raw preview Well, I guess let's start off with one thing that you probably will not be seeing on Monday Night Raw tonight, and that is Randy Orton. Randy Orton injured in a live event in Hershey, Pennsylvania last night. I hate to be that guy, but it sure looks like this could be an ACL and or an MCL slash torn meniscus. Uh, Randy had to be helped out of the ring by two gentlemen, uh, and then helped to the back. He couldn't put any weight on that left leg. Does not look good for the Viper. And it's unfortunate too, because I I feel like Randy Orton has not been interesting in a very, very long time. He's a very big star. People pop for Randy Orton, but he hasn't been interesting these last, like, I don't know, maybe 90 days or so. Probably the most interesting Randy Orton has been to me in a very long time. That, that's a bad one. Although I do look forward to uh, Randy Orton being at home rehabbing and being just the Twitter troll from hell because his Twitter is just fantastic. Randy doesn't pull any punches. Tonight, though, on Monday Night Raw. Oh, I'm so sad that Huckleberry is lost on the streets of Cincinnati and he's not going to be here to talk about this. Lana and Lashley, they're going to get married. Oh, ain't that special. On Rusev Day, even. Yeah, that's... Wrestling marriage just never ends well. Kayfabe or not. Uh, Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. Might tune in to see that one. And I assume at some point, we will be addressed by the new champion of the United States, Andrade Cien Almas. Yeah. Now that he's a champion, can we go back to... Full names. Andrade just sounds like a gay hairdresser. Somebody that cuts Lars Sullivan's hair. Also filmed for this week inside of the world of WWE. And unfortunately, I work at a Fox affiliate, so I'm going to have to watch this shit. It's going to be Roman Reigns versus Dolph fucking Ziggler. Yeah, That, that match is happening on Steve Harvey's Rockin' New Year's Eve. Yay. I'm so excited. 10. So originally Rick Rickon wanted to do this gimmick and I just was not into it. I hate yearly recap lists and now of course this year we're seeing them everywhere. It's the top 10 of 2019 with everything that happened in November and December because recency bias is a real thing. Um, I decided I'm going to take this upon myself. Huckleberry's not going to be here this week so I'm going to steal this fucking gimmick Here is my top 10 pro wrestling stories of 2010 to 2019. Hey, what's up, Ty? Ain't seen you in a while. You know, there's this guy in AEW. He looks just like you. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you, Ed. Yeah, get back to catering. Uh, So I I, I debated on how I want to do this. If I want to go number one through number 10, I'm going to go number 10 through number one. Because, you know, I, I I like me some David Letterman. So, here we go. The top 10 list of 2010 to 2019. Number 10, All Elite Wrestling. The launch of All Elite Wrestling all in. The Dave Meltzer bet. The whole kitten caboodle. It might be the biggest story that's happened in the last year. Might be. Um, but I think this is number 10 for the decade. It, it's been almost a decade since the WWE... Had any kind of competition. We're gonna talk about that again here later on in this list. Uh, it was almost 10 years ago to the day. I believe it was January 4th in 2010. Ironic that January 4th, right? Being a new Japan mark. Um Impact Wrestling went live on Monday nights against the WWE. Yeah, it was like 10 years ago. Yeah, didn't last very long before Impact shifted back to Thursday, but All Elite Wrestling presenting some competition for the WWE, at least as far as mainstream wrestling goes. Which brings us into number nine, the rise of the independents. All Elite Wrestling does not happen without PWG. All Elite Wrestling does not happen without Ring of Honor. Um, Independent wrestling over the course of the last decade has went from... Yeah, that's that. That's where we're gonna see all these future guys in the WWE. To holy shit, you gotta watch AAW. Holy cow, have you seen what the women are doing over in Stardom? What they're doing in Shimmer? What they're doing in Shine? What they're doing in Crush? Nobody talked about the independent scene in 2010, not that I remember. Not not in nowhere'sville, Iowa, anyway. Independent wrestling, absolute boom over the course of the last decade. Something else, it's experienced a huge boom media coverage. Yeah, 2010, you had Wade Keller, you had Dave Meltzer, and in 2019, you've got Hamid Media. Yeah, Hamid Media, the HTM Podcast Network, NDPW.com, last word on pro wrestling.com, the gorilla position.com, pro wrestling.com. I'm going to throw them into that batch, too. We have so much access now that just was not there in 2010. And part of that is also social media. Uh, while Facebook was a thing in 2010, Twitter was a thing in 2010. It wasn't the machine that it is now. I mean, now your grandmother is on Facebook. Your great grandmother is on Twitter trying to figure out why, why the pound sign is, is being used in all these ridiculous 140 character sentences. None of you people use punctuation. Drives people like me crazy. Drives CM Punk crazy. I think the other thing that helped here too was Colt Cabana. As well as Conrad Thompson. The advancement of Pro Wrestling Podcast very much like this. Without Colt Cabana starting the art of wrestling. I don't think Hommie Media would exist. And that's solely to the credit, the work, the dedication, and the great content. That Colt Cabana put out for absolute years. And Conrad Thompson, the last couple of years, has just knocked this thing out of the park. Whether it was what he started with Ric Flair. Whether it's 83 Weeks, Something to Wrestle, The Arn Show, What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. Guy's built himself a whole little podcasting empire. Uh, Kazuchika Okada. I've got Okada at number 7. Okada returned from TNA excursion and the Vince Russo experience on January 4th, 2011. Of course, Okada credits Vince Russo for making him the star that he is today, teaching him how to work cameras, how to appeal to the crowds to get that emotion across. And boy, has it worked for Okada since January 4th, 2011. He is a five-time, five-time IWGP world heavyweight champion he's a two-time g1 climax winner two-time new japan cup winner he's had the longest title reign in new japan pro wrestling history Cumulative days he is the longest reigning champion in new japan pro wrestling history and it's very possible that come january 5th he's standing there at the end of the night holding up two belts instead of just one number six i've got the big dog roman reigns Uh, Whether it was The Shield, whether it was his singles push that nauseated all of us to death. In fact, it still kind of does. Whether it was his bout with cancer, whether it was his return from his bout with cancer, whether it's all of us just refusing to boo him now. Whether it's them, you know, putting him on the New Year's Eve show. He's the last guy that you see in the open for SmackDown on Fox. He's the face of the company. Whether you love Roman Reigns, you hate Roman Reigns. I've got him at number six on my top 10 list of 2010 to 2019. Number five, the women's revolution in 2010. This was the WWE divas roster. I can barely even say this with a straight face, knowing the roster that we have now, Natalia, Nikki James, and they were the workers. Then you had Kelly Kelly, Eve Torres, Maurice, Michelle McCool, Gail Kim, and a newly debuted Bella twins. How was your women's roster in 2010, otherwise known as the Piss Break roster? Yeah, now, main event of WrestleMania, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, Royal Rumble. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, and I think it's pretty clear which side I've been on in this entire women's revolution, um, it's absolutely been a huge story throughout the 2010s. The teens, whatever you want to call it, and hopefully continues into the 2020s, even as some of this incredible talent that we have now kind of starts to walk away. uh, Because as Rick and I have talked about many times, women's careers and men's careers, they don't last as long because women want to go out. They want to have babies. They want to be mothers. And that's great. But you don't see a whole lot of women wrestling into their 40s, other than Jazz, out there still, kicking some fucking ass. How is that woman not signed to AEW? Come on! Yeah, you knew he had to be on this list, right? CM Punk. Of course. CM Punk. Wrestler of the decade, right? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to argue with me on this one. AJ Styles. Daniel Bryan. John Cena, Roman Reigns. CM Punk. Think of what CM Punk did for the WWE. He opened that door from Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling, King May Pro Wrestling. Bring it into the WWE. CM Punk doesn't walk away. Daniel Bryan never happens. Another guy that could be considered for wrestler of the decade. But I challenge you, find me somebody else who has been gone from this business for going on six years! six years and they still chant his name hasn't had a match in six years CM Punk wrestler of the decade even though we only had him for a couple of years his influence on this business everything that we see in 2019 you can trace back and going back to Colt Cabana that podcast CM Punk Colt Cabana that alone could have transferred into most top fives I have CM Punk number four, along with Daniel Bryan, um, because CM Punk walking away paved the way for Daniel Bryan. The yes movement, does that happen if CM Punk doesn't walk away? If CM Punk doesn't put over Daniel Bryan in that podcast as the best in the world, does the Daniel Bryan thing happen? Does WrestleMania 30 happen? Does it go down the way that it was set to go down? Does the war on fans, where they say, no, we're not pushing Daniel Bryan, Fuck you. We're pushing Batista. No, fuck you. Eat this Batista shit and fucking like it. I don't know if any of that happens if CM Punk doesn't walk away. Number three, the rise of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, I think you can also tie this directly into the Bullet Club and AJ Styles. When AJ Styles left TNA and went to New Japan Pro Wrestling, it put a whole new set of eyeballs, including these, on New Japan Pro Wrestling and a lot of us have never left. The rise of New Japan over the course of 2010 to 2019, undoubtedly, as far as I'm concerned, even still, until AEW starts selling out 45,000-person arenas two days in a row, New Japan Pro Wrestling is the second biggest wrestling company in the world, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise, uh, including a couple of fucking nerds. Number two, and this one's going to make the... Andrew Bello happy. MXT. From a game show to the gold standard. MXT has the, the rise of NXT, something just absolutely incredible. I can't compare anything to it. Uh as as good as NXT is, as hot as NXT has been for probably the last five years, I would say. Yeah, probably about five years. Uh what they did with Florida championship wrestling and the dissolving of, and then launching the NXT brand. And then it kind of went away and then they brought it back as this new NXT. Absolutely incredible. Who would have thought even three years ago that the Wednesday night wars would be happening, that all elite wrestling would be on TNT, the home of WCW nitro head to head with WWE NXT on the USA network. Just absolutely crazy to see the rise of NXT in the last couple of years. And finally, the biggest change, the biggest story in all of professional wrestling from 2010 to 2019, other than Hameen Media, of course, is another network that launched. It's the WWE Network. 2014 changed everything when WWE launched the network because now it's not just WWE Network. Now you can get HighSpons.com. You can go watch the PWG shit. You can get New Japan World and come watch. You know Tanahashi beat the shit out of Chris Jericho along with me. You, you can get AAW online now. You can get Beyond Wrestling. You can get MLW. We have access to so much amazing pro wrestling content. None of that happens without WWE saying, you know what we're going to do? Check this shit out. Ten bucks a month, you can get everything. Every tape library that we own. Every pay-per-view that we've ever put out. Oh, yeah. You're also going to get all the new pay-per-views, too. In 2014, when they were charging $69.95 for WrestleMania, it changed everything. And it didn't just change what was going on in WWE. It changed the way that people are viewing TV ratings. This TV deal that they got with Fox that's just absolutely ridiculous. You think that deal happens without the WWE Network? Without them saying, hey, we've got 2 million people that pay us $10 a month to watch our shitty content. Imagine what we could do if we were on Fox broadcasting TV. And Fox gave them a billion dollars. For SmackDown, that awful show, it's so bad. Here's an interesting statistic that I found. January 4th, 2010, that's when TNA launched against WWE Monday Night Raw. Here are the numbers from that night. A 1.5 rating, 2.2 million viewers. That's better than what Monday Night Raw did last week. Those were TNA's numbers when they launched on Spike TV. WWE in 2010 pulled a 3.6 rating and had 5.6 million viewers. Last week, Monday Night Raw at its peak had 1.96 million viewers. 1.78 was the low. 5.6. In 10 years... They've lost 75% of their audience. It's going to be interesting to see what the next decade holds and what happens when these TV deals run out. Does New Japan snag a new TV deal? Does AEW still on TNT 10 years from now? Is WWE still on USA and or Fox a year from now, let alone five years from now, right? It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing kind of shakes out. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network Online, HittingTheMarks.com, or Hameen Media, HackerHameen.podbean.com. Check out the Roar Network at TheGorillaPosition.com, where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Last word, on pro wrestling.com, where you can check out their latest WWE All-Decade team. Uh, be sure to check out ndpw.com, get all the latest pro wrestling news in and out of the mainstream, and then be sure to catch myself and Big Stevie, cool, Stevie Richards, yeah. I'm going to see if I can get me an honorary patch, get me into the BWO. It's been a lifelong goal of mine. We're going to be here tomorrow, right here, HackerHameen.PodBeam.com, as well as the HTM Podcast Network for hitting the playoffs and all-new NFL show for your earhole enjoyment. Hopefully RBV and myself will be back later this week for an all new edition of HTM Sports because yeah, there is sports outside of football as well as season four, episode one of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We thank you for letting us into your ear holes in 2019. We look forward to even more noise pollution in 2020. Be safe this new year's. Don't leave your laptop in a hooker's Uber. For now, I'm off like a prom dress. See ya! Don't
1: your fingers. Me. I don't, don't give up. F- I'll be your backup.
0: Jay, you'll be draping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's
2: the bad guy Go!